Welcome to Teacher Talk with Chrissy Nichols, the podcast that offers real tools and real conversations to help you feel good about teaching and yourself again. As a teacher who has spent more than two decades in the classroom, I get it. I know you have a lot to do, so if you need help right now, book a free consult call at www.thechrissyconcept.com. That's the C-H-R-I-S-S-Y-C-O-N-C-E-P-T.com. Now, let's get to the show. Welcome back to Teacher Talk, everybody, and Got Leadership. Whether we work in schools as a classroom teacher or maybe we work as an administrator, we all have ideas about how leadership should happen, which is why you don't want to miss this conversation with Sarah Hannawald. Sarah is currently the Senior Director for the Association for Academic Leaders, which launched just nine months ago through One Schoolhouse. She grew up in Georgia and Virginia before moving to North Carolina, where she started her teaching career as a classroom teacher, special educator, administrator, and in technology leadership. Sarah's superpower is finding big thinkers, interviewing them, and sometimes matching them up with one another and getting out of the way while the magic happens and they explore new ideas and instigate projects. She also believes in work-life balance. And so in her spare time, I love this. She is a marathon runner, an avid reader, moderately successful gardener, and mom of two teenage boys. You can find her on social media at Sarah Hannawald on Twitter and LinkedIn. She often writes for the One Schoolhouse blog, and I will link all of that in the show notes. I want to welcome Sarah to the podcast. Sarah, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Welcome to Teacher Talk. Oh, Chrissy, thank you so much for inviting me. This is a real honor, and I am delighted to be here with you. Oh, well, we're going to talk about all things leadership. I know that we all have a lot of different ideas, whether we are a school administrator, leader, head of school. But um, before you came into your role through One Schoolhouse and at the association, um, can you give us a little bit about your background in education, how you came to do what you currently do? Sure. And um, so I've had my entire education career in North Carolina, and yet it's been pretty varied. When I tell people that I've been, you know, in a co-ed in an all-girls school, I've taught in a faith-based school, a secular school, boarding day, just high school, K-12, you think, oh gosh, she's been at 20 schools, but it's just three schools. Just covered a lot of ground in those three schools. And I began as a middle school resource teacher, which was a really fortunate beginning. Although I don't know that I knew it at the time, I loved reading and I loved being a reading specialist and working with kids who needed extra support to make it through middle school. But that really gave me insight into multiple areas of the school. I learned the whole curriculum pretty well because I had kids in different grades who would struggle in different classes. And I got to know about uh, some of the systems and strategies. And then anybody who's ever worked in an independent school can relate to this point. 
I got a little extra 7%. My job was a 93% job and the extra 7% was keeping the lab with the purple grape IMAX in it running. And because I was willing to crawl under the floor with some cables um, and get them all so that you didn't have to carry a disc across and everybody could print, that became uh, being the tech director of the school back in a time when that worked that way. So I like thinking about how things connect and how one aspect of a school can influence another and how the decisions leaders make come into play in the classroom and the experience of students and teachers. And so now my work with associations is about helping schools deliver on their mission by by strengthening the leadership capacity of those middle-level leaders, the ones who turn vision into classroom experience. I wanted to ask about your current role. Tell us a little bit about how you found out about One Schoolhouse and how the Association for Academic uh, Leaders was spawned, born. I know it's not even been a year. Um, Tell us a little bit more about that. It sounds so exciting. I am happy to. I first learned about One Schoolhouse many years ago. It had another name, um, the Online School for Girls. And I was, as some of those old commercials say, I was a client before I was a member. And so I was at a school and we offered students the opportunity to take online courses through Online School for Girls. And I started getting these seniors who would kind of sidle into my office and say, Dean Hanawald, I want to sing. And I thought, oh, okay. And what I realized by doing a little dive in is that girls were manipulating their schedules so that they would have a conflict, which would lead to their being able to enroll in an online course, because that's how we at the time used it. We were not as strategic as some other schools that, you know, see online learning as a college-ready competency, for example. And so that got me really to do a deeper dive into online learning and what was it that One Schoolhouse was doing so much better than some of the other providers that we had. So I've been a fan for a long time. And then it was truly, I was sitting on my computer and I went to LinkedIn to post a blog post or something like this. And this was when I was in another role and it popped up with a message. You might be interested in this position at one schoolhouse. And I was like, why? Yes, I might be. Thank you, LinkedIn, for whatever algorithms made you think that this might interest me. And in February of 2020, Brad Rathgeber, our head of school, and I had a final conversation where he made me the offer. And I was going to be 30% travel. And that's the last time I got on a plane for two years, (laughs) as you can imagine. And so what happened at One Schoolhouse is I was going to be working with professional development and how we could use some of our insights to help schools uh, work with teachers and think about teaching and learning in a little bit different ways. And then, of course, because we were online as the pandemic began, One Schoolhouse and a couple of other online schools got asked to do as much PD as we could. And we did about four free classes for anyone who wanted to sign up. And then we had schools that wanted all of their teachers to take a class. And so that led to what I call the summer of 7,000, which is we had 7,000 people go through our professional learning. And as that evolved, we started some communication systems for peer-to-peer communication. 
And it began with things like, well, what kind of air filters are you using? Does anybody know where I can still get hand sanitizer? And then it evolved into, well, how are you going to do exams differently? And then how are you thinking about teaching and learning differently in this post era? And we realized that the connections needed to stay even as the more immediate crisis, and I don't want to belittle it, there are no silver linings for the pandemic, um, but those connections needed to stay. And so Brad is a super intentional person. And he said, you know, we were talking, how can we keep this going? And he said, well, let's hire a research firm to take a look and see if there is a need for an association that might meet these, I call them the people who operationalize the strategic you know, the people who take the vision and the plan and say, okay, here's what it means to do this from our scheduling point of view, from a hiring point of view, all of the logistics and tactics that make the strategy happen. And we did some research and we found out that most of the people in the jobs we describe as academic leadership love their jobs. While a few of them want to go on and become a head of school or go into some others, most of them really like what they're doing. And so Leadership training focused on how can you be better at the job that you have a passion for became our focus as an association. So it's a long-winded answer to your question, um, but there's nothing more thrilling than seeing an adult who feels trepidation about something taken under their under advisement, research it, and make it their own. Well, I love the way you speak about um operationalizing, which I love making nouns, verbs as an, you know, a language nerd, um, that could be whatever next layer down is or the layer beneath that layer, right? I think about the way, you know, if anyone out there is listening and they think, well, I'm just kind of the department chair. I sort of was just tapped as um, the group that make sure that during faculty evenings, the chairs get to go from here to there, or I do logistics, but I also have this other role. I think um, I want them to really listen up and perk up because I feel like Association for Academic Leaders and the community that you're describing that really happened during the pandemic, um, as you say, no silver linings, but there are some things that we learned and continue to learn, like community. I guess I want to ask through all of this learning and the summer of 7,000, what do you think educators are still struggling with right now? And I'm talking about all the layers, right? The tippity-toppity administrators down to the department chairs, down to division heads, or just head of a PLC or a grade head leader, what, what are you hearing, Sarah, is still kind of the struggle out there? And maybe big question, but how can we meet it? That is such a good question. And I'm going to tackle the first part before the second part. But I read an article recently, and it was higher ed focused, but it said that the era of leveraging someone's commitment to your mission as a way of demanding endless work and overwork and intrusion into their personal life needs to be over. Mm. And I think there's real merit in that. And I think it's something that, that schools are facing in a number of fronts. You know, we love our triple threats and I've been a dorm parent and I loved hanging out with girls and making brownies in the dorm and having them meet my kids and so sometimes what we love, we have a hard time 
realizing that it's become too much because we really care about these kids and parents trust educators to have these relationships with their students that help them grow into the adults that we're all excited to have the next generation be. But we have to find a way to make work-life balance not a lip service and yet have these amazing opportunities for students. And so we've got to think about that. And then the other thing that's really agonizing right now is this public opinion that seems to view teachers and administrators with suspicion. And either you're not good at your job, right? It, It changes the atmosphere. And then there's this fear that maybe they're too good at their jobs and they actually have ulterior motive to subvert parents' values in raising their children. So it's kind of flip, right? Either we're really good at what we're doing and we're taking your children away from you or we're not any good. And um, at NEIS, there was a keynote speaker, Van Jones from CNN. And he started by saying, I'm sorry, I think we're making things really hard for you to a room full of educators. And I thought, yeah, thank you for saying that because I think you are. And I think that's makes it, I think that people's self-confidence in doing the right thing is really shaken. So those are my two kind of what some big challenges are right now. I I love that. And I love um, the way you speak to that whole era of demanding more, almost that industrial revolution sort of idea of teaching is vocational, right? And it should mm-hmm. appeal to the spirit of giving. And come on, do it for the kids. And don't you want to stay up till 2 a.m. in the dorms to solve this crisis and yet coach the next day and also teach a full load and, oh, by the way, take on this next thing. So what you're speaking to, Sarah, is so right. And then that that eroding confidence of us all around, wow, I'm still giving my all. I'm still doing that thing. And it's no longer enough. This culture of not enoughness is, I believe, what my clients face, whether they're school administrators or um, classroom teachers. They really are feeling this self-sufficiency and, and cultural sufficiency that I think is lacking. So thank you for naming that. That was perfect. Sure. And so then you did ask me a second question. I'm thinking about that too. Like, okay, what can we do? Well, and I guess I'm going to frame it with, if you could literally wave a magic wand, you're Wonder Woman and you have all the powers of the universe and you could wave a magic wand to even just start 3% of um, changing things for schools, whether they be independent, boarding, day, wherever you want to start, what would you, what would you do if you could wave that magic wand? I know it's a huge, huge, huge ask, but I'm just curious. Yeah. Well, so in Harry Potter, there's a time turner and that would be my magic wand because time is, a, and it's not just make the day longer so that everyone can do more. But in the U S one of the things that we do is our educators have more student facing time than educators in a lot of countries, we don't value the sit, reflect, and craft feedback time that educators need. We give teachers short gaps like, oh, you've got three periods in a row, and then you've got your planning period, but maybe you need to make two phone calls, catch your own breath. You might get to eat if you're lucky, right? You can get a meal in there because lunch period might have been a duty or you might have been giving extra help to students. So we need to find ways to build in 
that extended professional time that actually has an impact on the practice and the craft of teaching, not just getting the tasks checked off. And that needs to be part of the regular work cycle so that people know when it's coming, they know how to value it. And it's not the, oh my gosh, I'm finally not running at 120 percent. And so I need to just, instead it's a, now I'm going to be using my best professional energy in this new way. And then I also think every educator needs a personal assistant. I get really frustrated by that whole concept of other duties as assigned. Uh, One of the things that is nice about the work that we do that's digital first, when I was in a boarding situation, if you decided to um, take advantage of a professional opportunity, you had to get somebody to cover your evening dorm duties as a favor to you, right? So that you could grow professionally. And then when you came back, and had all the things that you need to do, you also needed to do double duty because you needed to pay back the favor. That's really complicated. And I feel like if other duties as a sign, like carpool duty, for example, is one where it actually matters, right? You build your relationship, parents see you, like there's some reasons for that. But if an other duty isn't impacting education, it's not fostering better relationships, I think we need to think about how we could get those done. I visited one school once and they sold delicious take-home meals at cost to faculty several days a week. So you can take home dinner for four for a really reasonable price, heat it up and serve it. Like that is really awesome. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that. It's not just a gift card to Jamba Juice or Starbucks, is it? It really is these solutions that save time. Right. You're really inspiring me to think of how can teachers and educators create these hacks and these time turner, Harry Potter, magical solutions for themselves to really give back. That is an amazing idea. Tell us, Sarah, a little bit more um, about who the association is for, how schools can join, maybe the value of having a school-wide membership. I always believe in everybody in a system having the same vocabulary. I created a vocabulary in my classroom and not just because I spoke another language, but even when I was an English AP teacher, there was a certain vocabulary we all used that we all kind of knew. Tell us a little bit about what the association does and who it's for. I am happy to. So we define academic leader as anyone who is thinking about teaching and learning the academics of a school beyond a single classroom. And so schools have a wide um, range of people in those roles. Sometimes it's the assistant head for academics who's thinking about assessment practices, whole school and curriculum mapping. And it might be an instructional coach, a department leader, division heads, kind of anybody whose job it is to see that alignment to mission across more than one classroom. And so that's that's kind of the who. And our what is that we, as part of that research process, I meant, process that I mentioned earlier, we did a series of focus groups and surveys and refinements and worked with a consultant again. And we came up with nine competencies that I would invite anybody to take a look at on our website, um, which I think you probably have linked somewhere. Thank you. And we know that these are the competencies that academic leaders need to grow in, not to get the next job, but to have the impact on their school in order to have their 
their community continue to serve students. And we know that meeting students' needs has gotten more and more complex. And we set it up so that the whole school belongs. And that way, just to give a a little bit of an example, we have an online course for preparing for your first year as a department leader and one for your first year as a division leader. Well, that's not something that the same person needs to take every year. But if the school is a member, then if it's Chrissy's time to take that class, great, she's in it. And then if Sarah wants to take the class on leading a curriculum audit, which is something that someone perhaps a more senior level would be taking, you could take that the year that you're getting ready to do an audit. And then another school would use the classes differently. So we have about 26, I think, online courses. Um, We have a great partnership with Lisa Damore, who just released a new book, The Emotional Lives of Teenagers, which is fantastic, by the way. It hit the New York Times bestseller the day that it came out. I have two teenagers. I think anybody with a teenager should read it. And that is, uh, I have a paid copy of the book. Not, not That's not a, an advertisement. But we worked with her to come up with a class for educators. And so schools define who their academic leaders are. And those people enroll in our programs. We offer live peer-to-peer cohort meetups. We offer the online courses. We have kind of some things that wouldn't surprise anybody. We have online discussion forums. We've got listservs. We've got videos of webinars that we do live, and then we archive all the recordings so that people can access them. And what we hear is that people like being able to find something just in time when they need it because our database of resources is pretty big. And then we also hear from our members that they use the resources that we we have when they're going to lead a conversation at their school. So we know, for example, of one school that had everybody watch a certain um, interview that I did about building relationships with students as the kickoff for some PD that they were doing. So that's, that's why we do the school membership model. Well, I can tell everyone out there listening that um, the thing that I love about One School House in general, I'm also a fan, but also about the association and Sarah's work is the SEL component, the social emotional learning for students, but for adults and the kindness, the compassion, the gentle way that Sarah understands that we're all professionals. And yet she reminds us as the entire curriculum reminds us to really give ourselves a break, even if it's a two minute break and to use some of these resources just when you need them. So again, this is, uh, Sarah didn't ask me to say that. I am just a, another uh, raving fan. And I would just say, if you're thinking at all, especially this is decision time, a lot of the time of the year that a lot of school heads um, will do their tapping, their gentle tapping. Literally, if you're getting a tap on the shoulder or if you are going to tap yourself, which I always urge my teachers to do, educators out there, if you're feeling called to serve, even in a 10% way this year, I know a lot of us are tired, but I urge you to check out Association for Academic Leaders. Sarah, I'm going to link everything, every single um, piece of information, every link, every website address in show notes. What would you say would be the very best way to get hold of you as a human? Would it be just to go to the website or what is your preferred way for people to reach out? Well, thank you so much for the kind words. This has been a real labor of love for me starting this association. It's what I wish I'd had when I was first a dean and um, 
walked in and saw Dean Hanawald and thought, okay, what do I do now? <laughs> so um, I'm grateful for that. But truly, just email me. I, I answer all my emails. I would love to hear from people, even if it's just, uh, hey, I don't know that my school wants to join, but you know, can you tell me more about this or that that we're offering? I'm always happy to do that. Great. Well, thank you, Sarah, so much. This is a slightly longer episode than I normally do, but so worth every single second. I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and sharing the vision. And I want to wish you luck with every single endeavor throughout the spring. I know uh, teachers and educators might be already looking ahead to the break, but I know this is one of your biggest, busiest times over the course of June, July, and August, helping the helpers. So, and helping the helpers who help the helpers. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. It, it was fun. It's a fun conversation. I enjoyed it. Thank you. You're welcome. Hey, everybody. We'll see you in the next episode of Teacher Talk. This has been a fabulous conversation with Sarah Hanawald, and we'll see you in the next episode. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to today's episode, teacher friends. If this podcast speaks to you, please share it. Share Teacher Talk with one teacher or administrator or educator in your life. To continue the conversation and have life-changing tools and resources sent directly to your inbox, join my weekly newsletter, Teacher Talk, at www.thechrissyconcept.com. That's the C-H-R-I-S-S-Y-C-O-N-C-E-P-T.com. There, you can also book a consult with me. That's a one-on-one conversation to see if coaching might be just what you're looking for. Sometimes one call is all it takes. Have a great day in and out of the classroom, my friends. We'll see you next time.